Man, look at these faces. You guys come to hear some word this morning? I'm excited about the series we're in because it's challenging us to be just, take it up to just a little, a little bit higher level than where we've been. It's easy to kind of settle in. Everybody figure that out? It's easy to get uh, settled into a groove. You know, like we just, we just start to get into this groove and then God's like, okay, come up a little bit higher. I'm like, oh, I was just starting to feel this one, right? Because there's stretching and there's, there's, uh, there's a little bit of pain involved and some suffering to discipline ourselves and go to that next level. But as disciples, followers of Jesus, right, it's going to require some, some discipline, right? Some suffering, the S word, right? Suffering. So we're going to talk a little bit about suffering this morning so we define it correctly because it is, it is not defined correctly in the church overall. But we need to make sure we understand what the Bible's talking about, just a little bit about suffering, but also just what it looks like to be a disciple. Amen? Turn with me to Luke 14. Luke chapter 14. You guys ready? Anybody need coffee? You good to go? It's too early, right? No, too late? You already had it? It's over? Thank you, Lord. So we've been talking about that there's a difference between a believer and a disciple. There's a difference between a believer and a disciple. That Jesus addressed and talked to believers, but he said, unless you abide in my word, you can't be my disciple. That means there's something else on top of making Jesus the Lord of your life and submitting yourself to him, it's to go to the word. Jesus is the word, amen? To go to him, to go to the word and see what God says to us so that we can abide in the word. We can do the word. Abide means to do the word, to hear the word, to apply it to our lives, to act on it. That's, that's to be a doer of the word. And God wrote this. He took the time, right, to use holy men and women of God to give us these stories these scriptures. I mean, he, he took the time to do this on purpose so that we could look to it, look to the perfect law of liberty and say, okay, how can I be more like Jesus by looking in here? So it's important. This is important. Amen. You found that out yet? It's important. It'll change your whole life. Something's not going right the way you think it should. Something needs to change. Something you want to change. Something that doesn't quite line up with what you see here in the Bible of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. It can change based on this. This will change our lives, but it will not do it on the shelf. It'll just sit there, all right? It's alive when we open it, when we read it, when we ingest it, when we put it inside of us, amen? So important. In John 8, you don't have to turn there. Stay in Luke 14. I haven't forgot about you. The Bible says, if you abide in me, in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There's an abiding first, then the truth can make you free, amen? It's not the word that you know about, it's the word that you know and that you're due. You've got to act on the word. Lots of people know the word. I've had fun conversations with high-minded intellectuals that know all about the Bible, but they don't have a relationship. Why? Because it's just a book to them, right? They know about it. They can quote some of it even. You know, even the devil can quote the scriptures? Come on now, that should tell you something. It's not doing him any good. So just because we know it, doesn't mean it's doing us good. We've got to be acting on it. If we see it in the word, that's for us. Everybody say, that's for me. Come on now. Every time you read it, you're going to see something in there that's for you. More times than not, after we come together on a Sunday morning and we talk and we listen and we, and we hear the word, I hear several of you go, yep, you're reading my mail this morning. You, you know that term? You know that term, reading your mail? Like, like I snuck over to your house and popped open the mailbox and just read through it. And then came and just gave you everything I saw. That's the term. But I'm not doing that. That's the Holy Spirit, right? He knows where we're at, where we're supposed to be. It's him guiding us and directing us. And you're hearing stuff I'm not even saying because he's talking to you while we're, while we're doing this. That's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. So listen up. 
Right? He's got something to say to you this morning. Amen? Amen. It's important. In the Amplified, it says, if you abide in my word, continually obeying my teachings and living in accordance with them, then you are truly my disciples. That's the Amplified of that. That's amazing, right? It's amazing. So we learned that we've got to be imitators of our teachers, right? We're not just student teacher, but we are imitating the master. We are imitating Jesus so that we can be just like him. Jesus said, you can't surpass me, but you can be just like me. Most of the church world just scoffs at that. They live in a, in a, in a bubble that says, I can't possibly be like him, so why even try? Is it true? I mean, think about it, the church world. We should be like striving and stretching and working toward being better, being more like him all the time. The Bible says we can be just like him. Think about that. That is a, that is a big statement. And we will be working toward it <laughs> our whole lives. But it's better to be 80% like him than 5% like him. I mean, at least we're, we're getting closer, Right? It's better to get 80% of a paycheck than 5% of a paycheck, right? We're getting closer. Amen. A student, he said, is not superior to his teacher, but everyone, after he's been completely trained, will be like his teacher. The Bible uses the word perfect, the word perfect there. And people are like, oh, perfect, can't get there. Not, not this side of heaven, not even gonna try. But that perfect means completely trained. That means you have been through the courses. You have studied what he's asked you to do. You're completely trained. And how many of you know there is continuing education? You know, I'm studying to become a pilot. When they hand me that certificate, they say you are completely trained. But how many of you know that just like a lot of things in life, if we don't continue to train, things slip, right? You lose stuff. You forget stuff. You're not as sharp as you should be because you've got to continue to read stuff and study stuff and, and go back and see it again and see it from a different angle and a perspective, right? You didn't get everything out of John three sixteen the first time you read it. You still haven't got it all. There's more in there. That's the beauty of this scripture. It's alive. It's breathing. Amen? You get Luke 14? Luke chapter 14. Don't forget, if you come in and you want a Bible and somehow your kids left it on the bench at home, You can just grab one of those uh, maroon ones in the back corner and you can just thumb on through it. It's good. Luke chapter 14, verse 25. Thank you, Lord. Now, a great multitude went with him and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, this word, hate, right? We looked it up. And the word, the definition of hate in this thing means hate, right? But it also gives this this feeling of to love less, to love less. Meaning, he's not saying you have to hate your parents. He says you need to love them less than you love the Lord. You need to be willing to put them below your master, your savior. That's the connotation of this verse. And it also says that you will not stand by and you, will, and you will feel strongly about anyone that would stand between you and following him. Because there are people that will walk in front of you and say, no, me first, me first, me first, this first, this stuff first. There are people that will do that. And we've got to feel so strongly about it. Like, no, the answer is no, I will follow the Lord. You can come with me, but I'm going to follow the Lord. It's important, amen? It's important. So turn back to uh, verse 16 there in Luke chapter 14. 
being a disciple just it requires a much greater submission and a commitment than being a believer. Being a disciple requires a much greater submission and commitment. I'm telling you, Jesus talked to thousands of believers. And he was admonishing them, be a disciple. But Jesus also said, broad is the way to destruction. And many go that way. And narrow is the way to life. And, and few find it. He wasn't being pessimistic. He was just saying, this is how it is. There are people that just will not submit themselves. They won't put the work in. It just, it's a reality. Not at Westside, right? Not us, say not me. me. It's worth it, right? (laughs) I mean, we're looking at eternity with eyes wide open, right? We wanna see this for what it is. Like you can live your life, you can love God, you can go all the way to the end and you will go to heaven. But I'm telling you, there's no reward for a big savings account and retiring early and washing clothes. The reward is what did we do for the kingdom? Everything else gets burned up. It's not that we don't wash clothes, right? And we don't have a savings account and we don't try to retire early, whatever that looks like. But the reward is in following him and doing what he says while we're doing all that stuff. But if that's the only thing we're doing, we're missing the greatest goal, the greatest command. God cares about people, people. He'll take care of all your other stuff if we care about people like he cares about people. That's being a disciple. Being a disciple of the master, following him, hearing from him, seeing him in the word, saying, I'm gonna do this. Come hell or high water, this is me. I'm gonna do it. I don't care what I was raised in, what my DNA says. I don't care what my predisposition is or my bad attitude. I'm fixing it to make it look like this. This is me. And that takes some resolve. We put on a pedestal the the special forces, these guys that have trained and committed everything to protect us. They are the elite. There was a price they paid. There's a price they pay every day. They train, they work out, they're away from their families. They go into dangerous situations. There's a discipline. There's a suffering, dare I say, that comes with being the best of the best. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Then he said to him, a certain man, this is Jesus. He said, a certain man gave a great supper and he invited many and he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, "I I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see to it. I ask that you have me excused. And the other said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them and I ask that you have me excused. What is he describing? He's describing busy people, busy life. Jesus is calling all of us to lay down something and say, follow me. And in the Bible, there's people saying, "Mm, I, I got stuff going on. I just bought a piece of ground. I just got the, all this equipment, this machinery for the new business. I gotta go, I gotta go test it out. I gotta go take care of it. He's given the example of the excuses that we use to delay, to hold back, to not quite go all the way, to not take the plunge, to not step out in faith and do what we know to do is right. So many excuses sometimes, and we're all guilty of it. At some point or another, we're all guilty of it. 
He's challenging us to recognize that's an excuse. Because we'll always have something. The, the scale isn't balanced unless God is asking us to give something up. It requires something. It requires a sacrifice. There's another S word, sacrifice and suffering. It requires something. He never asks us to give up something he's not absolutely willing to make it right in the end, to give it back, to make it better. A story of a ministry friend's Worked in the ministry for a long time. I think I've told the story before, but man, they were believing God for everything. I mean, back in the early days, they were believing God for cans of beans so they could eat during the week, right? And they got to a place where God was just prospering because they were doing what he asked them to do. God pays his bills. He does not leave beggars. I'm telling you, he takes care of his own. When you honor him, he will take care of you. It's Bible. And so, Man, they're believing God for everything. God is supernaturally just sowing into their lives because they are sowing into the kingdom of God. And they end up getting a house. They'd lived in what he called shoot 'em up alley <laughs> for a long time. Literally was on his way out, out to church one, one night, opened the doors and the police said, get back in your apartment. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Guess we're not going to church tonight. And God gave him this house, supernaturally, miracle house. Pool, tennis court, really nice house. Got it for dirt cheap. Blessing of the Lord, man. And they got in it and were enjoying it. And his wife had just remodeled the kitchen. The Lord had given her some money through somebody. He had said, you know what? Lord told me to give you this money. Remodel your kitchen. She remodeled her kitchen, got it just the way she liked it. And a month later said, okay, time to go. <laughs> time to go. Amen. What? We remodeled this for somebody else? How hard are you willing to hang on to the stuff that's here? Talk about a test, right? Come on now, Lord, six months at least, right? And so he's shaving one day and he's thinking about it like, man, we just got this place. I really like it. I mean, I like the garage. I like the grounds. I really like it. And and he said this, he said, he heard the Lord say, not in an audible voice, but on the inside, because he was thinking this. You know, the Lord can read, read what you're thinking. And he can answer you while you're thinking it. And the Lord speaks to him. He says, do you think I can do better than this place for you? Well, the answer is, well, yeah, right? But you got to think that way. If he's asking you to give something up, he's not taking it away forever. He's testing you. Are you willing to lay down something temporal that won't be here forever to serve me? Yeah. Well, they got better. They got better. God gave them better. God will give you better. We just got to believe it. We get, you know, oh, it took me so long to get this. Do you know how long it took me to believe for this? Yeah, you're way farther along in your faith than you ever were. Think about the lessons you've learned while you were believing for that, right? Back when it was super hard to believe for 10 bucks, now 10 grand is like, yeah, we can believe God for that. No problem. <laughs> 10 grand, right? 100 grand, million. What are you believing for? What has God called you to do that you need money to do? Something. It's a journey, right? We just got to keep looking at it. Okay, Lord, and just keep stepping up and stepping up and step and be willing to lay it all down. It, it's doable. You can do it. But it requires us to look at it from an honest perspective and say, it's worth it. It's worth it. Whatever he's asking me to do, it is absolutely worth it. Thank you, Lord. No, everybody say no excuses. 
And another said, I have bought, uh, still another, verse 20, still another, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Boy, there's a good one. Man, oh man, you just got married, huh? Can't help the Lord out. (laughs) So that servant came and reported these things to his master. And the master of the house being angry said to his servant, go quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. He said, go to the people that don't have an agenda, right? Their schedules are clear, right? There's a reason why God looks not for the high-minded, not for the CEOs, not for the people that are at the top of their game. He's looking for people that are humble enough to say, I will do it. I will do it. He went in. The, he said, "We went. We got them all, and there's still room. What do you do?" And the master said to the servant, "Go out into the highways and the hedges, and compel them to come, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste of my supper." He's saying those guys that had excuses, they're not going to receive the reward of the supper. I'm telling you, there's a reward for believers, and it's something we got to look to. Paul said, "Run the race to obtain the prize that lasts forever." You could get some stuff around here. God's not opposed to stuff. I'm not telling you that. God is not opposed to stuff. If he was, Solomon would have been broke, so would have been David, right? The Israelites wouldn't have left Egypt with loads of stuff. If he was opposed to that, we wouldn't see it all over Scripture. It's hard. It's hard. What are you willing to give up to attain the prize? Oh, it's awful quiet in here, y'all. Quiet. Except Dustin. He's amen to me all the time. I love it. Thank you, Lord. John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 23. Jesus said there at the end of Luke 14, he said in verse 27, he says, he who does not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. So likewise, in verse 33, whoever of you who does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. He's just saying, be willing, if I ask for it, to give it all up. Pursue me, go after me. Thank you, Lord. John 12, 23. Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verse 24, John 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, my father will honor. Him my father will honor. It's interesting in verse 24 that he makes mention of a grain of wheat falling to the ground. And unless it dies, it can't produce fruit. There's something about dying to ourselves, our plans, our ways, our dreams. Dying to what we think we need to have, our plan. When we do that, we're sowing the seed into the kingdom to produce fruit you could not imagine. He hasn't forgot about you, your wants and your desires and your needs. He hasn't forgot. He knows what you want. He knows what you want to go after. He knows. But if we're willing to say, okay, God, I'm serving you no matter what the cost, it will produce great fruit in our lives. He promises it in this life and in that which is to come. It's not just a pie in the sky in the sweet by and by when we all get to heaven, right? There's, it's here too. We get to reap the rewards and the fruit of being obedient here, right? It's amazing. It's amazing. It's the sweetest of deals. 
But he's asking for something from us. He's asking us to be willing to lay it down, to die to ourself. It's possible. It's funny because it's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, that scripture he just said, he who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternity. He's, he's telling us that if you just take care of you and you hold on to it, you're gonna lose it. The very things that you're, you're so desperately trying to cling to, you're gonna lose them anyway if you don't put God first. It's just like our giving, right? Let's go to money for a second. That's a fun subject in church, isn't it? I mean, money's a big deal to the Lord because money's how this whole, this whole system works down here. And he, he wants us to understand that it's important that our heart's right with money. You know, it's like tithing. He asked for a tenth, right? He asked for tithes and offerings, but a tenth he asked for. He asked for a tenth of our, our increase. And we can either return that back to the Lord, like he said, or we can hold on to it. And the same principle applies. It's like sand in your fingers. If you try to keep that extra 10, it will be lost. It will get eaten up and you will not know how it happened. That's just how it works because you either get 90% totally blessed by God that stretches farther than you could possibly imagine, or you get 100% cursed. And it's, and it's not a curse from God. It's a curse of the world. You just decided to fall right into it. Say, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. And then just stuff happens all the time when you do that. I've been there. Didn't think I had the money to tie. Boy, I wish I had at the end of the month because everything, you know, just stuff comes up. You just open yourself up. And it's like this serving the Lord. Like if we will just lay down our life, man, you will find it. You find the joy that comes with serving the Lord. He will make sure that you're taken care of. Man, oh man, oh man. If I could just impart that as clear as it is isn't for me in my life, how I've seen it just work over and over and over. Just giving God my life has made it so much richer and fuller than it ever could have been. Because the, the worldly successes we experience, they're fleeting. You get one success and you're just on to the next. Did it? Let's keep going, right? Success in the kingdom, man, it lasts. These, these are people we're impacting, fruit in our families and our businesses. Come on now, that stuff lasts. That's fun. <laughs> so instead of coming up with a whole bunch of your own plans, I'd submit to you that it might be good to get quiet and find out what his are. Find out what it looks like. Lord, what does it look like for me to lay down my life for you? It'll be different than you initially think. It's, that's okay. That's okay. He wants to use you in your work, in your business, in your sphere of influence. I mean, that's why you're there. You're a world changer. You've got Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, his spirit living in you. Come on now. That changes everything. We're in this season where the time's getting short because Jesus is coming back. You know it, I know it. I mean, just look at the news. Not the fake news, look at the real news, right? Look what's going on in the world. It's wild and crazy. Look what's going on. It's lining up. And the reason why he's got us in this, am I a disciple of Jesus or not, is he needs believers, like true Christians that are saying, I will follow you because there is a big, big job to do in Spokane, Washington. Spokane County, Washington State, Idaho, the U.S. of A. We're not done yet. We're not going down. We're not going under. Man, we're going out with a shout. The Bible says he's coming back for a glorious church with a shout, not a whimpering, barely making it, dragging it in church, right? 
We're coming in full speed ahead. And it's going to require believers to say, I will follow the Lord. And it doesn't matter what it takes. We're going to do it. We're going to see people come into the kingdom. We're going to see them get set free. We're going to see them get healed, right? We're going to see whole families, whole counties get born again. So is that us? I mean, we could be the catalyst. Us and every other church preaching the word, serving God could be the catalyst to see the next great revival of God's move in the earth, which he promised would happen right before Jesus came back. Come on now, it's gonna happen and we get to be a part of it, but we choose, we choose. We can rest, we can make it to heaven or we can step up and say, yes, sir, soldier, tell me where to go, right? It's our choice. We can do it. <laughs> Let's follow his plan, amen? Let's just take, take some time in our lives to follow his plan. Because it's always gonna take faith. When Cody and I moved up to Spokane, we left, we left good jobs. I mean, we, we, were doing, we were doing good. God had blessed us and given us good jobs. And we just knew it was time to go. We'd left real estate. We'd, left, we'd sold this cute little house we had. And we were like, okay, Lord, we're gonna go. And I mean, no prospects, no place to live except mama's basement. Yeehaw. <laughs> and man, oh man. So we, we move. I don't have any work. God provides a job. It's not really enough to, uh, what I would call a living, to move out. And she's, she's preggers, like big time. So there's, there's pressure. There's, you know. Are you providing? Are you the husband? Are you the leader? You know, not her, not from her. It's all in me thinking, thinking, right? Let's get it done. What's going on? Let's go. Let's get to work. And the only direction we had was go help your mom and dad. Uh, can I get a little more information, please? Like how, when, where? Nope, that was it. So we lived in the basement and we worked and we got things going again. And, and it, was, it was years. Everybody say years. Sometimes it's years, right? We, we were able to, the Lord blessed us. We were able to move out for a couple of years into an apartment. And then we moved back in when we started to build the house. And to my wife's credit, all three of my children were birthed while we were living in mama's basement. Good Lord Jesus. Still married. Still. Man, and that was a, that was a fun one. But we made it, Right? And we, and we persevered and we stayed with it and we sacrificed some things because we could have stayed. We had a good, good church, good jobs, family around. Could have stayed. Florida, warm in the summers, sweaty in, or warm in the winters, sweaty in the summers, right? <laughs> it's, it's a nice little place. Beach is close. Could have stayed. Sacrificed. Cost us something. It's hard. Made it. God give us a great house, better than the one we had. It's better, right? There's just there's just a price to be paid to serve the Lord, but it always is worth it. But it will require sacrifice and you not knowing what the answer is when you step out. Some of y'all are being challenged in your life in this season to do something. Something that you didn't think you were equipped for. Because you've got talents and abilities. God's given you things you're good at, right? You've honed those, you've practiced them. That's great. What if God wants to use you in something you're not good at? Whoa, whoa, you got? I got to rely on you for this? Yeah. Yeah. My 11-year-old, she's 
astonishingly just like me. I mean, it's just crazy how much like she, me she is. And I, I can relate to her on a different way than my wife can. I can talk to her in a different way than my wife can because we are so similar. I mean, she's, she's coordinated, she's talented, she gets things, she understands stuff. And if she can't do it just right within five minutes, I'm not doing that anymore. Let's go find something I'm good at, right? I'm moving on. But I have to tell her, like, there's things that I'm, I'm good at because I stuck with it. I had a, an aptitude for it, but it did not come naturally to figure this out. I had to persevere. I had to work at it. I had to practice to get where I'm at. Those are good lessons for your kids to get after stuff. It's good lessons for us. There are things you're going to have to do that you may not be good at, that you can get good at because you're trusting the Lord and you're persevering. It's possible. God might be asking you to do something that's out of your comfort zone. Relish that opportunity. Yes. Your flesh is going, no, 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 don't do that. That's a terrible idea. Shut up, flesh. I'm going to do this. God's telling me to do this. Step out. See what it looks like. It's fun on that side. It's okay. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3. Uh, y'all don't have to live with your mama in her basement. It's not a requirement to follow the Lord. But if you have to, <laughs> tough it out. It's worth it. Philippians chapter 3. By the way, it was way easier on me than it was on my wife. I got a wife and a mama. Boy, life was good. <laughs> life was good. She's like, we can't stay here. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. But what things were gained to me, these things I have counted loss for Christ. Indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. This is Paul writing. Paul, when he was Saul, his name was Saul. That's how his birth name, right? the Lord Jesus changed his name to Paul. He was Saul. He was the golden boy. He was being groomed for the top spot in the Pharisees. He knew the scripture. He knew the people. He was walking in the law. He was, he was doing all the right stuff, learning all the right things. He was set up. Those guys had the nice house. They had the nice chariot. They had the nice servants. They ate all the best meals. They were the top dogs. They were the priests of Israel. And he was being groomed for that. Boy, oh boy. You think you're giving up some stuff. Paul laid it all down for the glory that was in Christ Jesus. And he said, I count it as, look at this, rubbish. For whom, I've, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Oh, man. Now, I'm not saying you've got to be a Paul. He was shipwrecked three times, beat with rods a whole bunch of times, you know, martyred. He had it, he had it rough, but he did write two-thirds of the New Testament. So, you know, there's going to be some opposition for him. Amen? Yeah. But he was saying, I count, I count what I could have had as nothing. One version says dung. Everybody knows what dung is, right? Just a steaming pile of stuff. That's what he, that's what he considered it. Because <laughs> he saw what it looked like to follow Jesus. There's an eternity we're gaining. There's an eternity we are gaining. And being a disciple, man, there's good stuff. There's reward in that, in this life and the one to come. He said, I counted all rubbish. Verse 9. 
and may be found in him. So he said that I may gain Christ and I may be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. There's that word again, being conformed to his death. If by any means I may obtain to the resurrection, attain to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, not that I have already attained or am I already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended or to have attained, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul of all people had a, had a, a pressure to look back what I could have had, what it could have been. What could I have done if I stayed? The kind of murderous acts he, he caused against Christians. I mean, he, if anybody had somebody who could look back at their past and beat themselves up over it and think, oh, if I had just done it different, it was Paul. But he said, that doesn't help. That does not help. The things we remember from our past are the victories. David said, feed on the faithfulness of God. Feed on those things. The rest of the stuff, forget it. Reach forward. A runner does not look back. When they look back, you lose. My pastor in Tulsa said he lost a race. He's one of the fastest white boys of the day. And he lost a race and it just irritated him because as he was nearing the finish line, he took one glance to see how close his competitor was and he passed him. The glance cost him his stride. I'm telling you, there's just something about being focused, saying I am not bringing up my past. I'm not doing it. I'm reaching for the prize. I'm going ahead. And I'm counting all the stuff as rubbish. The stuff that I thought I could have had, it's rubbish because the high calling of God, the prize that's ahead is so much better, so much higher, so much more worth it. It's, it's a challenge to not look back. Our human nature is like, boy, it's a challenge. It's an exercise in your thinking to just say, nope, not doing it, not doing it, Right? Anybody figured that out? Boy, oh boy, is it hard to get a hold of those thoughts. Paul says, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. Following Jesus and honoring him, putting him first place in your life, how do you think that will affect your life? If you follow the Lord, you honor Jesus, you decide to do as he does, how do you think that'll affect your life? I think sometimes we have these misperceptions that it's gonna just turn into this horrible nightmare that we will survive when Jesus comes back, right? that we'll wake up from when Jesus comes back. And it's, it is not that way. It is not so. When we serve him, it affects every area of our lives. We're better human beings. We're better business owners. We're better employees, right? We're better husbands and wives and fathers and mothers. We learn to, we learn to love our wives, right? Even when they might be unlovable, right? We learn to honor our husbands even when honor's hard, but you don't love someone based on their lovability. We don't honor people based on their honorability. We do it because God said, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands and honor him. Honor him. Oh, you deserve honor. (laughs) 
she's not very lovable right now. I'm just keeping my distance, right? It's, it's not a qualifier. It's just do it. We have this society that's really struggled with this because we, we haven't taught our kids and disciplined them right to understand you don't honor when they're worthy of it. You respect and honor because of the position. We love people because they're made in the image and likeness of God. We don't have to love everything they do. Come on now, he's not saying that. But we love them. It's the position, right? We need to honor police officers. They might be rascals. We have no idea. There's honor there. They're guardians. They're protectors. The Bible talks about that. Government officials might not agree with them. Got to honor them. It's not always fun to honor all the government officials. There's a bunch of them that are not heads, right? But we got to honor them. Pray for them. Come <laughs> in. Pray that God will help them make better decisions than they're making now. And they will and not even realize it. Like, how did I end up voting for that? What happened? Because <laughs> we were praying for you, buddy, right? Honor is not based on whether they're honorable. Love is not based on whether they're lovable. We choose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when we put Jesus first and we give him first place, it affects everything in our lives. How we respond, how we think, how we act, how we move about in the marketplace. I was listening to a minister talk about 2019, getting some words from the Lord about 2019. And the Lord said this. I thought this was just absolutely spot on. Churches work so hard to get people here. Right? Work so hard to get people here. But the work is out there. If we do our job out there, we'll have no, peop- no problem getting people in here. We are Christians outside of here. We are ministers outside of here. We carry the glory of God outside of here. We're to look for opportunities outside of here, right? Otherwise, we get one, one family come in here, right? And we're also so hungry, we just piranha them. Like, oh, there they are. Let's get them. And, and they're like, whoa, what's up with this church? We've been waiting for you. (laughs) Honey, grab a donut. Let's go. Right? They should be coming in here like they already found out about him. They already had an experience with the Lord outside of here. That's what we're called to do. We just got to be willing to do it. Think about doing it. Think about being out there in the world, in the marketplace, reaching people where you go. It'll never happen until you think about it. You imagine it. Sit down and imagine yourself hearing from the Lord, getting a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge for somebody you don't know and going, uh, now how do I say that? Think about it. Think about what that would look like to go to them. You know, I just feel like I've had an impression that I really needed to ask you this question. You have no idea what door that will open up. People will talk to you. Come on now. You don't have to be gregarious and bubbly all the time. They, they, people are desperate for connection. Desperate. Because all they have is their, their devices and their iPhones and their tablets, and those aren't connections. People want people to care, to look them in the eye. That was completely not in the notes. But I'm telling you, it's what we're called to be and called to do. And the minister was saying that 2019 would be a great year for the kingdom of God because Christians are waking up and seeing the marketplace is their mission field. 
That's where we're called to be. There's at least one person there that God's got you set up to talk to. At least one. I'm venturing to say more than that. But you gotta start with one. Somebody needs to hear your story. Hear that God cares about them. Yeah? Hmm. Paul counted all as rubbish. 2 Timothy 2.3 says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Why is that in there? Because there's something to be said about sacrifice and suffering. If nothing deters us from following him, then we won't stay babies. Every little thing won't knock us off course. We are soldiers. The second you make a decision to say, mm, I'm going to start, I'm going to start this week. I'm going to get up early and I'm going to spend some time in the word. I'm going to spend some time in prayer. I'm going to seek God. I'm not talking hours. You can have a connection with God in five minutes. Sometimes he'll ask you to do it longer. Sometimes it's just, hey, just make the effort. I promise you, you make a decision like that. And one of your kids is going to be up at three o'clock in the morning. Right? Test, 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 baby. Here we go. Are you still going to get up? Sometimes you just stay up. I ain't going back to bed. I ain't risking it. I'm doing it at four. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm telling you, it's worth it. But you will be tested. You will be tested. Second you start making decisions for the Lord, there is a test. But we're soldiers. We're, we are destined to train ourselves, to discipline ourselves, to do the work that God's called us to do. And it takes discipline and it takes effort, but it's worth it. And you've already seen it in your life. You have disciplined yourself in an area in your life on many occasions where the reward was worth it. How much better this reward, this sacrifice, this discipline. Come on now, church. We're talking about eternity. In the balance, heaven and hell, people going to hell and people going to heaven. That's what we're talking about. Big choices, totally worth it. Some of us, you know, will make choices where we'll affect counties, states, countries. You won't even know it till you get there, till you get to heaven. Think about how much fun it'll be to have people come to you for eternity and go, man, I'm so glad you obeyed God. Thank you for saying that in aisle three of Safeway. Thank you. It saved me. Saved my marriage, saved my business. Thank you. You have no idea what those thank yous will be like. It'll be good. It takes some work. It takes some effort to just discipline yourself. I hope you find the humor in this story, but I think it's funny. I'm playing hide and seek with my girls. And I found the best spot. I'm telling you, it makes me giggle to this day. And I'm a little hurt because I told Cody just the other day, I'm like, I'm still upset just a little bit with you for wrecking it. But <laughs> so I find this spot. My girls, my girls cannot find me. Okay. And I'll give you just a little background. And I'm at my mom's house. This is this, that's the season we're living with mom and daddy. Okay. So I got this spot. My kids seriously have looked for at least 15 minutes and they cannot find me. And I'm doing this like Spider-Man pose. I'll tell you where I'm at, because it's already wrecked. It's ruined, okay? It's ruined. And I'm totally hiding out. They can't find me. So they come to mama desperate. Mama, my wife. They come to mama desperate. We can't find them. We can't find them. Help us find them. Mama's not going to get up and look for me. So she goes, well, I know what we'll do. <laughs> we'll just call him. We'll see if his phone rings. Okay, so <laughs> rotten, just rotten. So here's where I'm at. Here, here's where I am. 
I'm at Mama's house, and the dining room table always looks nice at Mama's house, and she's got a really nice tablecloth that drapes down, not all the way, but down over to the, the chairs. And I am Spider-Man on the chairs under the table. I hear her say, we'll call him. I can't get to my phone fast enough. Because if I do, I'm on the ground. I'm like, no, no, no. And it just starts ringing, you know. And it's my wife's ringtone. And we go, we hear him. And I'm like, no. Guess where the first place they go to look now when we play hide and seek? Under the table. But I was so happy about myself that I was just holding the pose. Just staying there for so long and resting one arm and trying to... Oh, it was such a good spot. But it took some discipline, some effort, some quiet. God wants us to just find something that drives us, this passion, this fun, and be willing to go after it and discipline ourselves and do what he's asking us to do. Just do it. Amen? It's so worth it. It's so worth it. God is good to us. It's what we're created for, man. We're not, we're not just on the earth to mow the grass and punch the clock and change the oil to do laundry. We're not just here for that. We got to do those things. We're not just here for that. This is eternity we're talking about. And it takes some discipline, right? And it's our choice. Man, I'm looking at some men and women that are world changers, some teenagers, right? That's got something inside of them that God wants to use. And it's going to require you to be disciplined. It's not easy. I'm an adult. I'm telling you, it's not easy. But if you don't start now, it does not get easier. You train yourself now. Then you learn, ah, I did that. It worked. I'm going to do that again. This is the result. Amen? 1 John 3. I got a couple more scriptures. You guys okay? We've been in church a total of just over an hour. You guys doing all right? For the whole week, hour and eight minutes. Boy, you guys. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, but but because it did not know him. Beloved, we are, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we shall know when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Come on now, he calls us children of God. And he's saying there's a hope for us that we're gonna step into eternity one day. And because of that, because we see it, because we're smart enough to see it in the scripture, we're gonna make an effort to purify ourselves, to unload things that need not be there, right? To make things right, to clean it up, to clean it out, to discipline ourselves. So I told you I was gonna mention a little bit about suffering and I'll say this. Well, we can circle back to it next week. The Bible talks about taking up our cross and following Jesus, right? And, And that there are sufferings that are in Christ Jesus. But what we can't do as believers is lump all suffering into one big pot and say, yep, that's suffering for Jesus because that's not true. It's not true. People say, well, I'm suffering, I'm sick, and I'm suffering for Jesus. Or I'm broke, and I'm suffering for Jesus. And that is not suffering for Jesus. Suffering for Jesus is taking up our cross. When Jesus took up the cross, he crucified his flesh. That's why he says we gotta take up our cross. You gotta crucify your flesh. You're gonna have to tell yourself no. Guess what that is? Discipline. It's discipline. There are sufferings in this, in this life. He said, you're gonna have challenges. There are gonna be sufferings. If you're following me, people are gonna get after you. They are gonna call you out, mock you, make fun of you. There's gonna be hard times because you're serving me. But he did not say it included sickness and poverty. 
Those are the curse of the law. We're redeemed from those things. He wants your body well. He wants your bills paid. He wants you to have an abundance left over for every good work. It's Bible. So we got to believe. We got we to gotta understand when he says sufferings, we know what this is. Suffer, sufferings and sacrifice are absolutely part of the believer's life. And we're going to face them. We're going to see them. But we can't lump it all in and say, well, I know we've been on this path before. But I'm telling you, there is a suffering that's going to happen when you discipline your body. Anybody figure that out? 5 a.m. workout sessions. When I was in basketball and soccer, conditioning was rough, especially the first couple of weeks, right? Leaned over a garbage can, just hoping you weren't going to see breakfast. Tough. But I'm telling you, when you're in the fourth quarter or you go into overtime down the stretch, you're glad for the running. You're glad for the conditioning because you're prepared. You're ready. Your body can take it. I'm telling you, there's some discipline that has to happen in our lives so that when we face the things that are coming, we're conditioned for it. Now, I know what this looks like. I've prepared for it. I've disciplined myself. I know how to say no, and I know how far I can push myself because of who lives in me. Come on now. That's a faith builder. That's why we're doing this. That's why we teach our kids at an early age that they can't respond just by how they feel. They can just do whatever they want. They have to obey. We're teaching ourselves the same thing. We need to just respond the right way. Does that make sense? Man, it's important we get this. It's important we get it. So it's gonna take some effort. So I wanna encourage you. There's a prayer time you're supposed to be having. There's some Bible reading time you're supposed to have. There's some fellowship with the Lord you're supposed to be having. And if you don't take the time to do it, it will cost you down the road because you won't be conditioned for what's coming. And it won't be God's fault. It won't be God's fault. Hard road, he'll still help you through. He's gracious and merciful. Man, it's so much better when you're in good shape. So much easier. Amen? That's what he's calling us to. That's what he's calling us to. Thank you, Lord. Anybody get anything? I know it's challenging. It's not one of those rah-rah. Super, but, but it's something we need. It's something we, I mean, if we can't be correctable or teachable, we're in trouble. I'm coaching Caden's basketball team right now and telling these kids, man, you've got to be teachable. If I tell you something, you can't just snap back at me. You've got to be willing to be teachable. We have to be willing to be teachable, amen? And we are, and we don't get offended. So that just makes it that much easier, right? Nobody gets offended around here, amen? Thank you, Lord.